0: All right, here we go. Black and Blonde, racial identity. I am Black. And I'm Blonde. And we are here. We are here. Yep. Welcome back to the pod table, Molly. Well, thank you, Natasha. Welcome to you as well. Yeah, it's nice to have you here. Yeah, nice to be here and be with you you at the pod table. Excited about today's episode. It's going to be a doozy, I feel. Yeah, I think it's going to be maybe a combination of a lot of episodes Mm -hmm. um, with... Listener input, and I'm just excited about it. Me too. And speaking of listener input... Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it on Instagram Live. Mm -hmm. uh, We announced five awesome t-shirt winners, so super excited about that. And uh, we also introduced a Google form for listeners to submit questions or scenarios that they would like answered in a future upcoming episode. Let's talk about where that came from. Okay. Okay.
1: You want me to? Sure. Oh, I will. So we were visiting with some friends, some loyal pod listeners, and one of them mentioned, just kind of mentioned how it might be helpful or it might be, you know, beneficial for us to sometimes kind of talk about more specific scenarios or how we might answer something or so on and so forth. And so, um, as she said that, we were like, "That is awesome feedback," which we always appreciate from our listeners. And so we decided. What a great way, like, if people are listening and they start to have questions or they have questions from a previous episode, that they'd fill out this Google form and we will answer those questions. Mm -hmm. But to keep in mind, it's anonymous, so it's not like we're going to be like, hey, Joe Schmoe said, you know, it's totally anonymous. We're just going to take the question and we're going to talk about it just from our perspective. Obviously, we're one voice and, you know, some people might handle things differently, but... We're excited to do that, I think.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, really, I, am. I mean I'm ex- I'm excited about a couple things. Just we often hear like we love the pod or you know, we really appreciate it. and I what I appreciated about this conversation with a I mean, really amazing human being and Absolutely. loyal listener is her vulnerability to to give us some feedback. You know, I think my phrase is always start where you are, but don't stay there. Yes, um, it is name of a book by Richard Milner, who I just can't say enough good things about. But I just think that concept has been really powerful for me just in life and in both personally and professionally when it comes to conversations around race. But um, I think while you and I know we are not experts, we're not. Sure are not. But we are very comfortable in many, many situations talking about race with a lot of people. And um, I think it was a good reminder for me that there are a lot of people and potentially a lot of listeners that just don't have that comfort and don't have the language that you and I have. So it was kind of a, a good gut check for me to remember that We, I felt, could be a little guilty of doing vague generalities. Ooh, nice. Right, without giving maybe some specifics. And one of the things she shared is that she's actually role playing with her partner, right? Like they. She's the best. I know. I mean, literally the best. Literally. Like, how would you say, what would you say if somebody said this? Mm -hmm. And I just think the fact that she's practicing in her home. Is so amazing. She deserves
1: like 500 t shirts. I mean, let's just flood her with an inbox of t shirts.
0: (laughs) Yes. And so I think it made us think about that. I think it made us. um, Can I say one thing though? Yeah.
1: So you said earlier about some people don't have the language. And totally, I agree. But like, I think there are times when people are like, I just don't have the language. But I also think there are people that have the language, but maybe it's only from one perspective. Right. So it's like, I think when. When we're sitting here, like that is what we're doing. We're giving two different perspectives about a scenario. So I think it's like both and. It's about language and it's about perspective.
0: Absolutely. So um, that Q&A will be coming up and we'll see. I mean, I think, you know, I know we've already gotten some questions. I
1: know. Whoever those people are, they should be proud of themselves that they're listening. They're our favorite people right now.
0: Absolutely. And so we will promote that Q&A Google form throughout the week and we'll figure out how we're going to... When what
1: when yes. we're going to like even do it and i will say to get to that q and a all you have to go to do is go to our instagram profile and in that is a link and you go there and you'll click on a link to get to QA. q and a so if you're like where do i go to get this that's how you do it whether you're on the twits or the insta you got to get yourself over to the insta to
0: to be able to see it and if you don't have that you don't technology insta, cap Capability. Um, then, if you have our numbers and you are connected to us via text, we will take a text. We'll take an email. Um, you send up, send us a mail carrier um, pigeon. That's right. Or as uh, you said, pigeoner. what did you call him? Pigeoners. Pigeoners. Uh, so that's that is. Thank you to the t-shirt winners. Thank you for um, the listener who gave us the idea. Yeah. Um, C Dubs, as you like to call him, he gave us. Uh, he gave me the idea in a conversation one day following the social media. Uh, podcast episode, but like I, you know, it was him who said, "I bet you there are people who actually have some questions that they would want you and Natasha to actually answer." So, yeah, thank you to him, and again to all of you who continue to put us in your story, to tag people, just really, really inspired. To shout and us out
1: at different events
0: and things, and putting us on blast. We love it because you know what that has resulted in. What our most recent uh, what is it called achievement? achievement? Mm-hmm. Do you want to share what that most recent one is? 5,000 downloads! I mean, 5,000 downloads. As I said in Insta, it's the little pod that
1: could. Like, we didn't we didn't know when we started this, how many of our episodes ago. You know, we, we figured we might have a few listeners, maybe a few pity listeners. But definitely, like, there are people out there listening, and that's awesome.
0: Mm-hmm. So thank you for helping us uh, get to where we are today and, and keep us here. Yeah, and... Buddy.
1: Then you had a big day, Molly.
0: I had the... you got to tell
1: people about your big, big
0: day. I probably had one of my favorite days of... It was I just, wasn't there, so that's probably why. I know. Like I said, one of the... So oh, okay. I didn't right. say my most favorite. Um, for those of you that know, I have an affinity one for newspapers. You do? The papes? And the papes. And um, black people. <laughs> the blacks. Um, <laughs> and... So, when you combine Black people and a newspaper, I, I mean, mean, you said, short of like putting a coffee shop, you know. Yeah, right. That, in I don't there. know how it
1: could get any better.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I spent an afternoon in the office of the spokesman recorder. Shout out to the spokesman recorder. And it was, I said to um, the person that was giving me the tour, like, I was emotional. I. Felt like one, there's a beautiful painted mural along the side of the building um, that's actually going to be inside or outside? Outside. Okay. Um, So you can drive by, if you live in the Minneapolis area, you can drive by the Spokesman McCarter building and just see um, the pictures of the people that are connected to um, that newspaper. And so, you know, I got the outside tour first, and how all of these people were related to this individual that was um, giving me the tour. But then, just walking in this building, and there's a lot of original remnants of the um, the original uh, publisher and CEO, which who uh, or editor in chief, or like uh, Cecil E. Newman, and like his nameplate is still on his office door. The original desk that he sat in is still there and being used. Um, And then there's a there's a room in the back that um is filled natasha with all of these old yellowed like great big um blown up like tapes yes and like she opened the door and i stood there and i just literally felt like i was like i was i don't know like it was, it was just so amazing um and i really um i just feel like there's so much power in um, in writing and sharing stories and Black excellence, right? And I feel yep. like that paper to me um, is all about Black excellence and, mm-hmm. you know, just connecting um, and uplifting and be, and also being very honest about the stories that are happening within our community, um, but through a perspective that I so rarely get as a white Minnesotan. And so um, I have asked and we have promoted the Minnesota Spokesman-Recorder rep- um, multiple times but I will never stop asking people to subscribe. Yep. And you know something that was shared that was really important is following the murder of George Floyd, um, subscriptions did increase True. and you know now it's been over a year and there's a worry that the subscriptions were performative. And over time, people who you know were a part of this initial, like eh, I'm going to do something, and um, so I'm just hopeful um, that those of you that are subscribers will maybe gift a subscription. Ooh, I like um, that idea. Or um, just continue to renew and and promote the spokesman recorder in the spaces um, that you are in.
1: Absolutely,
0: sounds like a fun day. It was a super fun day. I mean, it, I know, I, I'm I know. Hi, they're there. Okay. Uh, So those are some announcements as we turn toward reflection. Let's turn. Um, Last week was race and and social. Social media. Social media. Yes. What you been thinking about? So I
1: have had a few people tell me, you know, they're not really social media users. And I I am all for that. Like you got to decide how you're going to engage with any sort of people. And I don't, what I do want to be mindful of is that doesn't, excuse you from engaging in the conversation. So even when we're like, put something on social or like Instagram or Twitter, and maybe you don't do that. Fine. Like we're not in no way are we shaming people who don't engage in social media, but you are social. We are social beings. We have social spheres. Um, maybe you have a text thread. Maybe you have, you know what I mean? Like there are other ways in which we are social. And so I just want, I would want, or I'd hope people that don't have social media or don't regularly use social media still know that that doesn't excuse you from engaging in that conversation and there are multiple ways to continue to do that and I hope you are finding those ways to do that. Awesome. What are you thinking about,
0: Um, ma'am? Well, I I think, you know, so then on the other end of that, if you are a social media user and you're a follower of Black Blonde Pod on Twitter or Instagram, admittedly Mm -hmm. we are more active on Instagram than we are on Twitter. Yeah, we're much better at Insta. Yeah, yeah. So I think, but if you are a follower of us and, you know, then I'm going to go back to what I said, which is, so start where you are, but don't stay there. And I think one of the beautiful things that happened with the t-shirt giveaway, it was the most interaction or just in one space we heard from multiple different users. And when I see the names of those people, a couple things came to mind. They're multiracial and multigendered. And Mm -hmm. so I think the intersectionality of who our listeners are, and if you are white, and you are in a homogenous environment almost all the time, and you don't know how to create a diverse community, truthfully, like you have an opportunity with Black Blonde Pod. You You don't even
1: have to really create that community. That community exists. You just got to join the revolution.
0: Absolutely. And one of the things I really appreciated is somebody tagged somebody else to try to pull, you know, probably, you know, there's some friends that you have that are more probably ready to... Maybe put some words in a space. So who who could you tag as you post something to pull somebody into our community and have that conversation? Just because we don't ask a question doesn't mean you know there can't be some um, communication that happens from our listeners. And so um, I just think you know looking at the readiness level of the people around you, if you are a social media user, and how do you? Um, how do you empower and inspire somebody that's being? I, I truly believe an equity leader, um, somebody who is seeing um, how to how to develop your own um, language and continue to practice. So heard, and heard. then before we turn to content, which is a very important content today. Um, I'm I'm thinking back to the conversation from our friend who just See? said, you know, it would be helpful if you had some more specific examples. And specifically, um, she was speaking about vague generalities. And I just wonder if we could take a minute before we go to Yikes, you're putting me on the spot content, but when I think about vague generalities, I think about terms such as when it comes to like race and equity, I think sure. about terms like um, anti-racist sc- Schools or anti-racist curriculum. Um, Critical, or CRT. Mm -hmm. Like, that's very vague. Um, You know, uh, those people, that community, you know, any time where it's like all those people do that thing, or those would be places as I'm listening with Mm -hmm. intentionality, I would... Again, I always have a notebook and a pen next to me, but I would make note of that. And I would, if there's a space in the conversation, when you said all those people, who did you mean? Who did you? Yep. Um, you know, schools across the country. Which schools? Yep. Um, you know, there are racist policies and practices everywhere. I mean, there are. Well, there are. <laughs> Which one comes to mind for you? You know what I mean. And so I think like it's thinking about where you hear all those everywhere, nowhere, never, always. And how can you, no matter where the content is, stop and try to understand what somebody might be saying? I like it. Okay. I like it a lot. All right. So now we turn to content. Let's do it. Content today is racial identity. Oh, fun. This should be a pretty light topic then. it pretty (laughs) is. Um, So again, thinking about our friend and um, I would say um, where she might be on her journey around just her own racial identity, where I might be compared to where you might be. And that in reflection, I think about Brian and I in the classroom. And so much of what Brian and I did in the classroom was we told our stories. Mm -hmm. Um, One, we were able to understand our identity And so, you know, I think... You could
1: tell your stories because you understood your identity. Right. I mean, anybody can tell a story, but how that story comes, you know what I mean? How you understand that story or convey that story to others is because you understand yourself.
0: And specifically my racial identity when it comes to race and equity, right? Like, absolutely, there are other components of my identity that will impact um, stories that I share, but when we are specifically talking about questions related to race, um, it's really important that we understand our racial identities. Let's understand it, Molly. So um, so that conversation led to um, happened like the very at the very exact time, I'm reading a book called um, dun, dun, the dun. Racial called called The Racial Healing Handbook. Uh, the subtitle is "Practical Activities to Help You Challenge Privilege, Confront Systemic Racism, and, Engain, and Engage in Collective Healing." Can
1: I just say something before you continue? So, just that book alone. So, it's a it is a handbook, like workbook esque, right? Um, so, there are some people that we've heard from pod listeners who are like, "I don't know what to do. I don't know how to like kind of start to think about this stuff. Raise my awareness." there you go. I mean, here is an example. Like this is really like, to me, I would say this is a real tangible thing you can do for yourself. That doesn't necessarily have, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how far you are, but does it have to do with like engaging other people or does it really work on yourself?
0: Uh, It's both because engage in collective healing. And what I really appreciate in the word collective is the way that the um, author shapes the, the, the book is if you're white, here's a question. If you're a person of color, here's the question. And the importance from her perspective that it is critical that each of us has a positive racial identity. Um, and so then I think what, what I appreciate about that is it's not no one single's w- racial group's work to do. Now, I truly understand um, the privilege I have to say that, and I don't look at you and go, well, it's all your work to do to challenge systemic racism. I truly hold the belief, though, that in the spheres in which you work, it's collective work for you and I to do together. We need to understand how we show up and the ability we have to do that in that space. I'm with you. Okay. so um, the And can we just talk for a minute about what she couple definitions, which I think are important because we might have a... Get your under-
1: notepads out, folks. Yeah, a couple okay. definitions come in. Uh, it's time to
0: take notes. So racial identity, socially constructed, and just in general refers to a group that is thought to share racial heritage. Right. That's what
1: we're talking about when we're talking about racial identity. Right. Check, check.
0: And then it's a process. Like you just don't like realize what your racial identity is. Like no matter where you are in life... All the experiences you've had from early childhood through however old you are right now, you've probably walked through some developmental process that is also outlined in the book that we're not going to go into the details of today. But there's a um, kind of got time if, for that. If you're a person of color, here's like six stages of racial identity. If you're a white person, here's six stages. Of, so it's a process, mm-hmm. and that you know really a key component, as I said, that positive racial identity, which means. I'm super secure in my racial identity. I'm aware of the history of my racial group, and then I'm able to identify when I'm being racially stereotyped. Um, and some like some big things they
1: are some big things, Natasha. And I think the biggest thing, though, the hardest thing is the first one to be secure in your racial identity. I think once you're secure in that, you're probably able to do the other things. I don't think you do the other things without the first one. But that's well, just my.
0: I love that you said that when we were getting ready, you said something like, How do white people like kind of do that? You know? And I said for me, because you said something about the disassociation I have with white people. Yeah, you don't know you're white. Um <laughs> but um Rachel Dolez But I do like I don't ever feel blame, shame, or guilt, right? Like, I'm fully aware that I'm white. I'm not always fully aware of my privilege. Like, I know that. Mm-hmm. But, like, I, I am secure in my own whiteness and understanding how whiteness shapes me and is a significant part of my identity. Absolutely, I'm Super secure in that. Um, so... One other thing um, I would want all of our listeners to be super mindful of is that this process, um, there's a phrase called non-judgmental curiosity, hmm. which I think could just take us far in life in a lot of... I mean, I think just
1: in general, non-judgmental curiosity would maybe make the world a slightly better place. Right, and
0: isn't there... Here's where Feel we're not experts. World, make it a better place. Isn't there uh, um, some statistics on the less curious humans get the older they get like young kids are super curious and oh. always asking questions there's something about by the time kids reach high school the number of questions they ask is significantly smaller than what they would ask in elementary and whatever by the time they get to high school the system has just like sucked you're a repository them, of information of yes so just non-judgmental curiosity um i would like our i would want our listeners to really be thinking about I hope
1: there's some of that. Like, I think, I believe, and I don't know this, but if you're a pod listener that you have to have, that you do hold some level of non-judgmental curiosity, you're listening this pod, you're thinking, you're asking questions. To me, that's non-judgmental curiosity. So I think if you're kind of engaged, truly engaging in the pod, you're probably doing that.
0: Yeah. I mean, probably self-awareness and critical reflection that we yeah. say all the time probably contributes to some of that. So, um, so... There's kind of three pieces of... Uh, this feels like a lesson. I know, right? And but we're going to, three pieces, where, where it'll end teach. up being less of a lesson is I think as you and I just talk about what yeah. how we feel about these things. My earliest memories of race and racism. Okay. That's part, that's one. Mm-hmm. Um, identifying what I needed to know or need to know about my race growing up. Okay, that's Deuce, and then um, knowing the twists and turns of my racial identity development. All right, okay. So, thinking Natasha yes, to ma'am. earliest memories of race and racism. Mm-hmm. Um, reflecting, reflecting question for you to yeah, can't um, wait. what's the earliest time, the first time, the earliest first time you realized you had a racial identity? Like, how far back? Where do you realize, like, I have a, I have a race and I have a racial identity? Uh,
1: it's, that is a challenging question because I have no memory of having such a thing. Now, I have two instances where I think that was kind of happening. Um, one was, and I think I told talked about this in the pod before, it's debatable, how I had to do a project on, like, my, my background and heritage, and I did a project on Nigeria because I'm Nigerian, and that was probably the first time I was like, wait, this is different than what other people are going to be doing, um, so there was that. And then when I was in third grade, my sister and I used to go to this place called Sheer Cats and get our hair did. <laughs> and we got these Cats like
0: as in like C A T S. I think it
1: was C A T Z. If I'm being real honest oh. with you, I don't know. My mom, okay, you know, poor poor woman, poor soul. She just didn't know what to do with these two black children. Anyway, so we went there to get our hair done, and we got these perms. But it was like jerry curl-esque. And I remember I loved it. Like I thought my hair was like beautiful. But there was a little bit of like, wait, nobody else's hair looks like this or does this or has to have this in it to work. And so honestly, though, that's it. I think that I didn't know I was black until I was like grown. So
0: So of those two examples, which one do you think was earlier?
1: Mm, Honestly, Probably about the same time. Okay. Pro- probably pretty close. There is a chance that the Nigeria episode was after.
0: Okay. A chance. So what do you think, like, what did the hair experience teach you, or you? did it, did it like, teach you about your own race?
1: Mm, what it taught me, I think, was othering, right? Like, it taught me that there is something different about my race than, right, my own mom. Who was white? And bless her, she tried. Didn't know what to do with the hair of my sister and I. Right, like she knew what to do with her hair, and I would imagine she would know what to do with some other white person's hair. So that I think that's what it taught me was like there's something about black people's hair
0: that's different. So how do you? So then attach that to like a feeling. Mm. Like how would you describe the feeling you
1: this had very if, deep. as you remember? I feel like that. I'm in therapy. Um, I. I think I felt uncomfortable. Um, and I think for a child like myself that's growing up in an environment that is white, right that that's that was my environment, i I didn't really know I was different. I just I just wanted to fit in this little white world because that's what I'd always fit in. And so probably if anything, I was like, how do I get back how do I get back to this the feeling of comfort? I think. But I don't know. I was like in third grade. So
0: Okay. So that that experience is kind of the first reflective. So again, if you're I a listener, think, like yeah. pause, you know, go back, rewind, go back. If you're replaced by a pen and a piece of paper, like answer those three questions and let yourself and again be if you're if you're white and you have some experience where maybe race or racism came into your earliest experience of like I'm white. Let go of blame, shame, and guilt. Like, just write it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, write it and realize it and be curious and Absolutely. think about how that experience shaped part of your racial identity. But don't turn away from it because it makes you uncomfortable. Like, move. The, the, remember, the goal is to get to that, like, positive racial identity. And if you can't do that as a white person, that's where I truly believe there's this inherent, like, I feel shame, I feel guilty, I, I want to, you know, I'm going to blame. And because I just don't, I can't own that that was an experience that happened to me.
1: Well, and really, right, absolutely. And really what we're doing in, in having these conversations and asking these questions is like identifying our racial autobiography, mm-hmm. right? Like this is how we came to the, the process, the journey of this racial identity. There's nothing I can do about that. There's, I can't change those past experiences. As a white person, you can't change those past experiences, thoughts. So there is no need to feel the shame or guilt. Because it's it's like the evolution of how you got to where you are. Absolutely. So are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. What is your earliest first time you realized
0: you had a racial identity? Right. And I, I too, in a very early episode, I think it might have even been in the intro. It was really, really early in our pod episodes where I shared um, with my sister, um, in the back of the car with my grandparents on a summer vacation in Dallas, um, outside JFK as Eternal Flame, of
1: blame, um,
0: looking out the window, seeing. I, I was um, born and raised in Iowa. Um, all oh, my of my... Of Iowa. I mean, until college, I went to the University of Minnesota for college, but until college, every memory I have is a homogenous white environment growing up. They were with the whitey whites. I was. And... Um, it was that experience. I think um, what did it, you know, I realized I was white. <laughs> like, I was like looking outside because there were so many black people. Mm-hmm. Like, I know, even though I said to my sister, look at all the black people, I, what I realized is like, I am a white person. I don't like think, like, that I, you had an actual racial identity. Right. Like, I don't think I ever had that thought. I have no memory of having that thought until that moment.
1: So is that what you'd say the experience taught you to think about your own race or what did the experience
0: teach you? I think it taught me there are people who, who, like I'm different, like somehow there's difference in the world. Like, Did you think
1: at that time, did you think I'm different or they're different?
0: I I mean, my memory—I don't know. I'm probably thinking in the backseat of that car. I thought they were different. Can you, sorry? Can we go back to a, what's approximate age? Gosh, just Natasha, take a. I would shot somewhere like elementary, like maybe mid, middle okay. elementary, something somewhere in there. Um, I I don't even know if it was like they're different or I'm different. I know that I felt like I don't look like those people. You know, like I don't sure. look like black people. Um, and so I was aware, I think what did it, what did it teach me is that there are people in this country who have a different race than me that are like walking around on the streets. I didn't see them in Iowa. I just, Mm -hmm. I didn't. And so it was almost like probably the only ways in which I learned about black people was either, you know, again, watching them play sports on TV, reading about them in a, (laughs) Probably textbook that um, taught that me probably also, was very in
1: depth and really making you understand totally, the black experience. You
0: mean absolutely that one and um, it, probably I I think like it, it shocked me a little bit. Sure. Like oh my gosh, you know there's there's different people in the world. So
1: what were the feelings that you remember?
0: I mean I like shock, like kind of surprise, like um, I correlate that same surprise. To fast forward to my adult life, years ago, it's probably been, I don't know if it's been 10 years, it's been quite a few years ago. four uh, years. Yeah. That I went to a educational conference in Atlanta. Okay. And I was in breakout sessions and there were so many black educators. Mm, and yeah. I was like, holy shit, like black people teach. Yeah. You know that doesn't I mean?
1: happen in Minnesota. No, why.
0: No. And so I think, you know, I, I think it was just this surprise um, of like, oh, um, you know, I, I think I always felt like because the environment was so homogenous, there was just such a sense in me of, sh- of sameness. Yeah. So then all of a sudden it was like, I think I just was like, I had these feelings of like probably confusion, surprise, like I didn't have any language around it.
1: It's interesting, you know, hearing you say that because
0: I think I felt a lot of the same
1: things, but my environment wasn't homogenous. I mean, it was my sister and I in... In our immediate circle, in growing up, I'm, I'm sure we saw black people. We saw my biological father. We saw probably some some brothers or cousins, but not regularly. So, like, yeah, my my growing up was ex- almost exactly like yours or similar to yours. And so there was probably like the surprise and shock about like, oh, I have to do something different with my hair, or oh, I grew up with this culture, this Nigerian culture that's very different from any white or Scandinavian, you know what I mean? Like where a lot of probably people I was around came from. So
0: yeah. What I like about this conversation is the memory. Memories. Mm-hmm.
1: Do you know, I do that every time you say memory and I don't know why.
0: Uh, the thought and the feeling, mm-hmm. you know, because I think it, it, there is something I think to unpack. Well, this is what I thought about that as I was sitting in the back of the car, but here's what I felt. And I right. think that especially speaking as a white person for me so much of my racial identity comes through what it feels like inside of my body because hmm. because being white for me growing up in Iowa and then living in Minnesota again I just get to be comfortable so much so there's such a self-awareness of the feeling and I think to put words around what did these early memories like what feelings are attached to them I think are really important because if the feeling is blame. You know, I feel like I'm ashamed of what my mm-hmm. earliest memory is. So, how do you again start to understand that again shame and blame and um, guilt yes. are just super unhealthy emotions? And how do you work through and build a more positive? Um, yeah, yeah.
1: Should we do part two?
0: Yeah. So part one is just your early experience. Your experience of race. And then I think the second part is super interesting of just like identifying what I need to know or needed, needed, what I needed to know about my race growing up. And Hmm,
1: there is no shame in this. Where shall I start?
0: (laughs) (laughs) But there's no shame in this because I say this to you a lot is, well, maybe we, let me just, let's let's, go there. Let's let's So like, okay. Reflecting on your earliest memories of race and racism, so mm-hmm. for you, whatever, I don't care, um, list what you needed to know to understand race and racism in a more complete way. So I have no memory of racism. Now, I'm not
1: sure if I have suppressed said memory. I literally have cannot think of one memory. I can think of an event that happened to my sister, but I have no direct and I'm sure, like, I just, don't you think there had to have been? I mean, I don't think I spent a whole childhood not a single racist event, or not even, like, overtly racist, like the N-word or something like that. I'm just saying, like, I don't remember it. So I don't have an early memory to reflect on. But what I do know is that growing up in a, a, a solely white environment, I needed a lot of things to understand race and racism. And that's no one, they right? Again, no blame, no guilt, nothing. It just is like I didn't know and I didn't ask and I didn't write, like, I didn't, there was no curiosity in me around it. Um, But I didn't know about my race, um, like, from a, I don't know, I didn't know, right, the history of Black people in this country. I mean, outside of the, the stuff you get taught in school, I didn't know about Nigeria outside of that project I did. Uh, I didn't understand racism. And I think a lot of that comes from, as I've said before in this pod too, we grew up in, and by we, I mean like my entire extended family grew up in a very colorblind world. Like, let's just love everybody. Like we're all the same. We're all equal. And so I didn't even know what I needed to know, right? I needed to know that there was racism. I needed to know that people were different. I needed to know that there were system systemic systems that put barriers on people. I didn't understand any of those things. So I, I would honestly say I didn't understand anything about race when I was young.
0: And then how do you think, you know, so you take those things and it's like if if you had those things, how would knowing those things change your earliest memories of like, let's say the experience in the hair mm-hmm. in Street Cats or Sheer cats. Sheer cats.
1: Um, um I think uh it would have one, it would have made me Comfortable or confident in who I am, like I would have just been able to be like, yeah, I'm going to get my hair did, and like that, it just it's going to be different than someone else's. It's going to look different, whatever. I just would have like owned who I was, and instead of feeling like there was some sense of conformity or like I just want to fit in this world and not stand out, I would have been okay if I stood out. Like I never and this isn't totally about race but I never wanted to stand out. I did not want to do one thing that was different than any other single person around me. And so when you're black in an all white world that's really really hard to do. And so for me, I think had I had more understanding of race and racism, I might have been able to to be more comfortable, you know, with whatever hair I had or however, you know, I decided to present myself to the world.
0: I and what as I listen to you, I think as parents, and if you're listening or, you know, people who are around children in whatever setting, you know, I think this is such a powerful, I've never done, a, I've never answered that question. Mm-hmm. You know, like, what do you, what, what did you need to know? Um, You know, list of things you needed to know to understand race and racism from your earliest memories. And I think what is so interesting and powerful about that is, I think it gives a moment of reflection of like, What are we doing with Caden? Like what language does Caden have right now? And, you know, where are the opportunities that we, no matter how old, I mean, he's about to be six, but as our listeners with younger children or even older children, Mm -hmm. you know, like if you do this reflection and you're like, here's the things I needed to know, because now you're a wise older adult in this world. Are you saying I'm old? I'm saying just you're older as, you know, like do your children. Do they know the things that you now know by doing this reflection? Do they know those things? Do If you're a teacher, do the kids in your classroom? like, You know, I think how do you, it's never too late, right? Like start where you are and don't stay there. So I think it's just, there's so much reflection um, and it also kind of gives you a next step. Like I think we do pretty good with Caden, but I think there's places where. Absolutely. There are things I think he.
1: Well, one, the challenge for him, and we've said this before also in the pod, is that he is very light-skinned, very... Not as
0: much now in the summer.
1: <laughs> not as much in the No, definitely not in the summer. But he is... He could pass in some instances, right, for being white. Not always, but, like, there are some places where it just, it isn't so overt, right? And, um, and growing up in an environment that is pretty white for him, like, yeah, we definitely... Like, I would want... I would hope I could reflect on some of these things and make sure that I am providing him with some of those understandings mm-hmm. as he's going through life. So Absolutely. Um, All
0: right. You ready? Mm-hmm. Am I done with my part? I think so. I right. mean, right. Well, what does that feel? I mean, does that, Ooh. sorry, does that feel helpful to you? Like, what, what does doing that mean to you, I guess, is what I would want.
1: I, so I think it's any it's anything we talk about on this pod. It's it's awareness and I and t- to make change or to understand the the world around us in a larger context, we have to be aware and we have to be aware of how we got there. And so that's what it is for me. It's a little bit of what you said too. With what does that look like for Caden? What does it look like with you know other kids I might encounter? Um, it it does it. I don't have to be ignorant in how I travel through this world because I have many of my own experiences to reflect on and what could have been done differently or could have whatever. So
0: That's good. That's good.
1: All right. Are you ready? Reflect on your earliest memory of your own race and racism and list the things you needed to know to understand race and racism in a more complete way.
0: Right. I mean, I think, so if I take that Dallas experience, and I think, you know, I think some things that come to mind are like, well, one, the history of this country in a way that gave me some education around just geographically, like, mm, you yeah. know what I mean? Like I was taking a trip to Dallas. I had no, I mean, I th- I probably thought going into that, I'm, everybody's going to look like me, right? So I think what I needed to know is just this awareness and probably curiosity, again, no shame or whatever. There was just zero, com- it was absent. So I like, think you right, needed to know that black people existed.
1: I think. And I don't mean like, that in even no. like an accusatory way, but
0: do you just think you needed to know? Yeah. Like, th- like that there absolutely. wasn't this like foreign set of people that you only saw on the TV? Well, my mom, that's super interesting because mom, and I don't have this memory, I was pretty young. I mean, she thinks we were probably like three and five or something, my sister, but we were in a grocery store. I think you told us on the pod once. Did I? We'll keep going. Oh, I'm sorry. And anyways, like walking down the aisle and we turned the, you know, and it was like there was a black person in the aisle and my mom was like, I wonder, like she had She wondered moment. what you were going to
1: like say or... Yeah,
0: like, hey, who's... Look at that black person. Yeah, what happened to that person? Yes, right. So I think I, think I needed to just not... To, to probably geographically know we're going to go to Dallas. Not that there's going to be black people there, but I think I needed experiences around more people Absolutely. that were diverse, right? Like yep. I needed... Um, to know that we lived in a really white place, but that we probably were intentional, maybe at times, to for my mom to put us in spaces that maybe weren't so mm-hmm. homogenous. Probably harder in Iowa, but there were black people in Iowa, right? Yes. And so I think um, I also, you know, I think it would have been helpful for me to understand, like, why our different people of different, why are people of different races living geographically in Mm. parts of the country? And how did that happen? Right. I think I didn't, I don't even remember even knowing some of that and learning any of that through school. So I think, you know, that would have been, and then I also just think like, I would have needed to know any language around white, black, African-American, you know, I think thinking about white people in my experience and their timid ways in which they dance around. There's a lot of black people, or there's African Americans, or just, I think I said to my sister, there's a lot of black people, but I also know like I had no language. Right. So I think, um, I think the concept of just, um, racial difference, like I just needed, I needed more Were you, um, like I think that would have made me not feel so surprised and like well of course you know
1: so that would you're kind of getting into would that would how would knowing those things change those memories would that you wouldn't have been so surprised
0: yeah and I think like it would have I you know what I what I hope is it would have been an experience of like you're going to experience difference and like, that's awesome. And this is going to, you know, like let's, we're going to celebrate some of the difference or we're going to, you know, even my grandparents, like there was no, they weren't going to talk about that. They were along the lines of love everybody and we're not Mm -hmm. going to say anything. Um, But I think like, yeah, I wish familially we had some language and conversations. I think about what would that conversation have been like for me and my sister in the back of the car? What could it have been like? Don't Um, you
1: think like, so... I, I don't know, maybe this is a little bit of stretch, but right. Like if you had this language about like, we get to go to this place and they're, you know, we're going to see people that are different, like the different than us, um, or we're different than, and we get, you know, whatever. Plus you're going on a trip. Right. And so as a kid, like just the excitement around all of that, how, what might that shape just your ability, like your excitement for embracing difference? Totally. So,
0: yeah. I mean, so absolutely. I think, um, yeah,
1: mm. that' I mean, there's a lot to, a lot to unpack in the old racial identity.
0: There is. So I think you know we would want our listeners today to, again, go back, pause, earliest memory. And I think you know it's good to write it. I think that's you love, really you important. Love a little written um, journal. I, but then I think, who can you have a conversation? Who can you share? You know, mm-hmm. you and I doing this and and having these conversations, I think it even just deepens our relationship. It helps you understand not only your own self, but maybe, you know, that partner in your life, that loved one, maybe an older uh, child.
1: Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, if you are an, an adult and have older children, like, what a super powerful thing to have a conversation with them about,
0: you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think... Um, we will stop there. We will. We will stop. We've had there. enough of this. Yeah, that's right um, for today. And so we've given you a, a, a workbook. Yep. We've given you activities. Um, and so I don't hope, ask us for shit anymore. What? <laughs> I said, don't ask us for shit anymore. Uh, except questions that you oh, want yeah. us to answer. Yeah. Ask us for those. or yeah. Ask us those things. We need questions. the Q and A, peeps. We do need some Q and As. Yep. Um, we need. We, we need, need. We need. We're needy. I mean, you are.
1: Oh. You know that.
0: I mean, I'm not needy. I okay,
1: think, okay we're diverging.
0: Sure. Oh, are You're we? not needy at all. All right. Not that, at all. On that note, deuces. Yeah, let's put that out
1: of here,